The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This week on Dueling Review, it's Star Wars The High Republic Adventures number two from IDW Publishing. Oh, this week, ladies and gentlemen, IDW is brought into the High Republic, a massive publishing crossover spanning comics and prose. Believe it. Matthew, what do you know about the High Republic? Um, not a lot, honestly. Uh, I think it's like uh, the swords and sorcery era of, of the stars and wars is really all that I know. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, apparently, you know, this was at a time when the Republic uh, was at its zenith. The Jedi Order was at its zenith. Uh, according to Lucasfilm, this is roughly 200 years, or at least the High Republic stuff that's coming out is about 200 years before The Phantom Menace. Now, what we are reviewing today is The High Republic Adventures Number 2 from IDW Publishing. This is just one tiny part of this giant High Republic uh, publishing campaign that they have going on right now. So they have, in addition to what's going on at IDW, also this week was a High Republic comic book that came from Marvel Comics. I want to say that was issue number three or something like that. Then they have uh, Titan uh, Publishing is involved with this. Titan Comics is involved with this. Uh, We have um, young adventure, young adult novels uh, from Disney and Lucas Press. We have stuff that is coming out. There's a a Charles Soleil's book just came out about a month ago called The High Republic Light of the Jedi, which I haven't gotten to yet. But this is the way that I look at this is pretty much everyone is done with the Skywalker saga fans, Lucasfilm. Everybody's done with Skywalkers. We're done with that. So now by setting this 200 years prior to the events of the Star Wars, uh, that gives everybody a chance to tell some u- new, unique stories set in the Star Wars universe that has people with these uh, lightsabers, and you have some good guys, and you have some bad guys running amok, and uh, the best part is we shouldn't have too much contamination with the publishing arm and what's coming up on the film side, because there's apparently a High Republic movie and TV series in the works for Disney+. Plus. Mm. Which brings us to um, High Republic Adventures number two from IDW Publishing. And for those of you that don't know, IDW Publishing does a lot of licensing with Marvel and in this case with Lucasfilm so that they can bring these uh, the Star Wars to you. But their take on these stories is aimed at the younger set. So this is not, you know, Darth Vader being Darth Evil kind of stuff that we see in, um, you know, over in Marvel. Uh, this is Darth Vader's castle where it's like, ooh, spooky story, kids, wah, wah, uh, kind of stuff. And that's kind of the case with the High Republic Adventures. What's going on yes. in this book here, Matthew? Uh, I'm, I'm not 100% clear. We're kind of thrown into the middle of a situation on the faraway planet Tiramonte 4, where a group of 
what I think are official Jedi Padawans, are about to get into a big giant fight, but fortunately they're not alone, because a big guy with ears and horns called Buckets of Blood is here, and a guy who backwards talks does he is here, and they're trying to save one of their friends, but it's difficult to save someone who does not want to be saved. Yes. Yeah, so what it, what appears is, uh, you know, there's some bad guys and some bad ships or something that ca- ca- caused the uh, young younglings to crash land on this planet. And while they were there, they met somebody else who was force sensitive. But then this uh, this planet or something has outlawed anyone with powers. And her friend is one of those uh, anti anti uh, anti Jedi people who doesn't believe that uh, the Jedi are any good. And so when he finds out that his friend is a, is got the force powers, he doesn't want to have any part of her and he even goes over to the bad guy side. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know that he's going to the bad guy side so much as he's misinterpreting the situation. Well, he's I, you know how I look because at our it? main character kind of lied to him. Yeah. And I can see that. I kind of look at it like, um, Uh, There was a certain time in the 1930s and the 1940s where a certain group of people all thought that their leader was the greatest thing since sliced cheese and they decided to commit genocide. And so everybody who was 1930s, because I thought for a moment it was the Snyder cut people. No, no, no. But in the 1930s, you know, there are people that lived in this region and are of this of this nationality that thought, hey, our our side is right. Everyone else is wrong. And um, and coming to grips with that and anyone who was not uh, of that nationality or of a certain race were deemed less worthy. And I kind of get that feeling while reading this that, you know, we know that this group that the kid is involved in is not so good. Right. But the kid doesn't see that because that's his everyday life as being around this stuff. So when he does get betrayed, it's very easy to go to, you know, the the man in the uniform on the corner and say that person over there has the powers. String her up, light her up, set her on fire and and burn the witch. Um, And even though the friend and and the Jedi younglings want to help out, this person wants nothing to do with any of that. And I think that's where Yoda comes in and says, hey. Not everyone who needs to be saved can be saved. Only those who wish to be rescued are we able to save. Mm. You didn't like the Yoda appearance because you and I talked briefly about this last night. Um, I'm bothered by it on a couple of levels. One, as you said, uh, I feel like they are trying to divorce themselves from the, the Skywalker saga, which is good. But having uh, Yoda in the middle of this is less good, especially since this is a slightly younger Yoda who looks eerily like, uh, um, what's it, Don Rickles, I guess <laughs> in this, cause he's got slightly more hair, a little fringe. I was going to say Sir Patrick Stewart, but it really is more of a Rickles look. And I don't know. I, I sort of agree with you in the whole done with the Skywalkers, not in a, okay, I don't want this anymore, but they finally have some closure and I feel like there's a lot of the galaxy far, far away that we just haven't established because we keep spinning the drain of the, you know, these Skywalker people and the nine guys around them. Mm-hmm. There's only two women in the whole damn galaxy and everybody else is related to Darth Vader. So I feel like having Yoda here feels kind of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Editorial meddling, maybe the... You can have your new wild setting, but we have to make sure to have guys that we recognize. 
Yeah. And not just, not just races because buckets of blood is a race we've seen before. Yes. He um, is, uh, the same race as the, uh, not the chancellor, but the mace bearer in the galactic Senate. Yes. And I want to say he's, uh, uh, one of his people appeared in Jabba's palace mm-hmm. in empire mm-hmm. with the horns and the big ears and the things. But, uh, his name is buckets of blood, by the way. And I love it. It's because he's a doctor and he's trying right. to save you from spilling buckets of blood. He's trying to keep the blood in your body, <laughs> but he's also eight feet tall and yeah. looks like the blue devil. And it's hilarious when he screams buckets of blood has arrived and then literally starts trying to save and help people because he's just, you know, a guileless giant blue devil Jedi. But I feel like the Yoda thing just, it just smacks of, we have to have this or else it's not a star Wars story. It yeah. feels, it feels forced. It feels, you know, almost not exactly unmotivated because obviously he's a Jedi. He's 900 years yeah, old. Nine, 900 years old. You yeah. are uh, this good. you be looking. <laughs> so, you know, there's a weird thing about Yoda that people have brought up that I think is rather interesting um, that when we see him in Return of the Jedi and in Empire Strikes Back, he's older. And so his crazy talking is somebody who might be alone and not mm-hmm. have been around people or on his dying breath or something. But they could have just made him talk normal in in a lot of the other stuff without the backwards talk. Yeah, but, you know, that's another example of something that you see in Star Wars where you take something relatively minor and you spin that out to become the the end-all, be-all. Yes, a perfect perfect example of that is uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. When we first see him, he's wearing these brown, uh, this brown cloak because that's what you wear in the desert. And suddenly every Jedi wears a brown cloak. If that were the case, it would be so easy to spot a Jedi. And it's just like, you know, uh, the planet Hoth. Hoth has big fights in a forest. So now, officially, canonically, the entire planet is one biome. Yeah, one, it's a one forest ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Tatooine is an entirely desert planet. And Hoth is an entirely ice planet. You know, Hoth, they should call it cold. But... um I'm up after the band. Yeah, it looks like, uh, and I don't know, I know that when Yoda or at some point somebody, Yoda meets a, um, a Wookiee, they talk about Wookiees having a lot of force powers. It looks like right. in Light of the Jedi, there's a, a lightsaber-wielding Wookiee. Wouldn't surprise me if we find out that it's like Chewbacca's father or something like that, because if I remember yeah. quite correctly, Wookiees also live for a long time. Hey, listen, Star Wars fans, we're casual Star Wars fans. We're not hardcore nerds like you. So just put down the uh, the pen and the p- pencil that you're about to uh, fire off to us and uh, just chill out for a second as we talk about Star Wars, the High Republic yeah. Adventures number two. I'd just like to point out that I am not just a casual Star Wars fan. I know some heavy duty Star Wars stuff. I mean, I know about Kashyyyk, but I also, you know, don't take it as seriously as some because I come from a background of Doctor Who and Doctor Who has two rules. One, there is no canon. And two, time vortex go. Ooh, wee, ooh. Well, I so, think I this mean, is going to be a little bit more mm, canonical. Steeped. Yeah. Steeped in continuity. And that's fine. I mean, that's what people loved about the expanded universe before it was uh, nuked or delegitimized or fictionalized, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's what I loved about, you know, splinter of the mind's eye when we were kids or mm-hmm. the droids cartoon when we were teenagers or even things like the prequels 
are somebody's favorite. And you do have a thing in Star Wars where, you know, they had the whole argument. Do you know why Ewoks exist? Because Chewbacca being good at mechanical stuff made Lucas believe that no one would believe that Wookiees lived that pastoral existence. And so Ewoks were created to replace the Wookiees. And that's dumb because one guy can be good at stuff. He can be a weirdo. He can be a mechanical genius. He can be a genetic sport. There are a thousand things that could happen. But I think the use of Yoda here is another example of Star Wars being creative, but not too creative, not too wildly different. Even though this isn't a Skywalker saga, there's still heavy-duty Jedi and evil force users and a guy in a cloak and a helmet with some sort of breathing apparatus because, again, Star Wars. I think, I mean, the, I think the most interesting thing here that I see is that, and again, this is at the height of the, the Republic, and just the fact that there are so many lightsabers in this book clustered together, and I know that they're taking the, the group to whatever this floating satellite city station thing is, that appears like on the cover of every single book. It must uh, be something important to the high Republic. Um, but um, I, I just like, well, I, maybe I don't like, but it's just interesting to note that there at one point were a heck of a lot more Jedi than even what we saw in Phantom Menace and the prequels. Right. And so I find that very fascinating. Do you, this also, because it's a kid's book mm-hmm. felt like it had a lesson to be learned by the end of this book. I'm fine with that. I feel like that's part and parcel of, you know, young people's stories. I feel like maybe sometimes it feels obvious to an adult reader, but is less obvious to a child. Now, I shouldn't say that because I have a child who hates when the lessons are obvious and yells and screams when things are too, you know, too intentional. But I don't think that this is targeted towards a 17 year old. I think this is probably targeted, uh, eight to 12, eight to 10, maybe I would say seven to to 12 is, is exactly that sweet spot. You get, you know, the smart eight year olds and you know, the 12 year olds who are still looking for some science fiction fantasy and looking to learn a lesson. I feel like that all fits in there. You know, kids like you're younger, if they have an interest in the star Wars, are probably going to be interested in this. And that I think is the argument for having Yoda and not just having Yoda in it, but having Yoda have the major action sequence and, you know, doing his Ninja Yoda routine throughout the ship with uh, a bat on his shoulder. Yeah. Whatever that is. Yoda is. Yeah. Yoda is identifiable. Yoda is recognizable. Well, and you know, the bat eats people. Well, the other thing is it's a squeebo. Uh, what it is, is the Yoda is that bridge between the older generation and the younger generation. So right. every Yoda generation, is your Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Every generation has its star Wars. We had the original trilogy, uh, you know, uh, Zach's generation had phantom menace and now you have a younger kids generation kids that are just coming into it can now get into the high republic and the nice thing is in this book especially yoda is that bridge between the old and the new 
and might make that transition for some people who are only hardcore. Why isn't Darth Vader storming through this book in charge? And why isn't the Dark Lord of the Sith uh, rising above all things? It's because it's he's not, not they're not here yet. This happens a long time before. So I think it'll there help. Could smooth. Be a Sith. There could oh, be Sith oh, no, I there's undoubtedly there are Sith running around. No, I'm just saying that Darth Vader isn't running around. And I don't think right. Lord Palpatine is running around 200 years ago. Um, right. So. Here's it would be his great great grandfather, Darth Visible. Yeah, um, or Darth Continent. It's hard to say. I think that this book is fine. I don't have any problem with it. What I think IDW has done is they have figured out how to create comic books that parents shouldn't have a worry about picking up and giving to their kids. So many times, uh, people will message me and say, Stephen. Uh, I've got a 10-year-old, and I want to get them into some Marvel comics. What Marvel comics should I pick up for them? And I say, well, you don't pick up any Marvel comics from Marvel. You pick up Marvel comics from IDW because the stuff that they're putting out is aimed at your kid, is aimed at that age group. So you don't have to worry about sexy, sexy. You don't have to worry about any uh, over-the-top violence. You don't have to mm-hmm. worry about questionable things that may go against your your morals or your ethics what Marvel, what uh, IDW does with the Marvel and these Disney properties is give you um, um, entertainment that is age appropriate. And for that reason, I do have to say Star Wars, the High Republic Adventures is a fine book. It's not something that I'm super interested in. I think what I'm going to do at some point is read the Charles Soleil book because I think that's kind of the um, cornerstone. It's the book that kicked off this whole publishing initiative for 2021. At some point, I'm going to get into that and see if it makes me interested in the High Republic. And then I might be interested in more in what Marvel Comics proper is doing and IDW and all these other uh, Del Rey and um, and uh, Titan are doing going forward. So it's fine. I'm probably not going to read Star Wars The High Adventures number three unless, uh, you know, our listeners demand it. But I think this is fine. And I think you have a kid and you want them to get into Star Wars and especially get them their own version of Star Wars, High Republic is probably the way to go. Yeah, especially, you know, when you look at things from, say, the perspective that you would look at Critical Hit. For years, we got endless remarks about, why are you playing the old version? Why are you in in 4th Ed when 5th Edition is here? Having multiple stories in this new well, I won't say new, but in this different portion, this this High Republic era, is going to be the new hotness. It's going to be the fifth edition. So you want the kids to have this. You want the adults to have whatever's coming out from Marvel. You want the old school people to have the novels. Everybody's going to have a little something in this new setting that they can play with. And I feel like there's going to come a, a point very soon, and I'm hoping it's sooner than I think it is, where the High Republic is only one of many different time periods or settings or, or yeah, you know, because you know, they, eras. Dark Horse for a long time also tried to do something like that. But instead yeah. of going backwards and looking at the High Republic, which I really only know from a, a video game title, I never even played the High right. Republic video game. But what Dark Horse did was they went like a thousand years into the future and yeah, followed the, the adventures stuff. of uh, uh, Kate Bain or whatever his name was. Uh, Cade Skywalker and followed his adventures. Um, I think it was Cade Bishop. I, I think it was Cade. No, it was it was Cade Winslet, and he was on a ship. No, 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 with no, no. Leonardo DiCaprio. But it uh, seems like Android. you know they are trying to look at no uh, Cad Bane is the guy from um, 
um, Star Wars, Rebels, and uh, the Clone Wars. No, no you're but, thinking yeah, it's thinking Cade uh, Skywalker is his name. Yes, so, yes, he's the guy from Legacy. Yeah, and so, you know, I think, and, and all the other people that are involved in that, so I think that everybody is trying to do something different and trying to create something. I think because now, now granted, Dark Horse and Lucasfilm, that was all before Disney uh, stepped into the picture. Sure. But I think that now you have Disney behind all this and, and pushing this stuff forward and, and making some smart licensing choices. I do think that the High Republic is going to become more than just a blip. Yes, and I hope it does, because I feel like any time that you can open this world up is a good thing. You know, we've had a lot of the same Star Wars stories. We've had a lot of, you know, for lack of a better word, the the knights and, and warriors and destroying evil empires. And mm-hmm. having a, no evil empire to destroy, I think, is going to give us something positive. I think we can do something different. And hopefully they'll stay away from chosen ones, too. You know, you can oh, no. do something new and different. I, well, I'm looking because, you know, everything that each one of these publishers is doing seems to have a different group of people that yeah. is the With focus point. a different point. chosen one. Maybe. Uh, so, But I'm interested in seeing what some of these are. Uh, but they, they are very distinct people. So I think it is just like, let's br- let's look at what it takes to bring people in, especially the YA books and the and young adult uh, and the young, um, young audience books, uh, mm-hmm. I think are going to be focusing on younglings and how they are adjusting to discovering that they have, uh, that's what Yoda calls them. Stop uh, saying uh, that's, that's who, that's who, uh, um, the Skywalker guy killed all the younglings. Uh, but I think that, I think there's some interesting stories here to tell. Like I said, I want to read that, that light of the Jedi just to see how this works. Uh, but for now, Republic Adventures number two, yeah, works for me. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's probably a skip it if you don't have a deep love of Star Wars or want to be in on the next new Star Wars hotness. Yeah, it's a solid book. I feel like it's it's well written. Even that moment where you have the "Hey, here comes the message" doesn't feel incredibly overpowering like it sometimes does. And at the very worst, you're going to come out of this with a good-looking comic and some entertaining hunk of story with yeah. Yoda in it. I think the thing that would probably make this better, maybe for me as a reading experience, is to read the first one before this. And I know people, how dare you not read the story before this, since this is really just a two-issue arc, or at least this story was two issues. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm going to just jump in and see what I can pick up. But I think, like, what the heck is this bat thing is probably explained either somewhere in the first book or somewhere <laughs> in the pet. High Republic. That's her pet bat. I thought it was like Yoda's pet. No, it was uh, it was her pet. And he took it with him because she's like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And he's like, mm, borrow your bat. I must. Yes. Mm. Yeah. 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 So whatever that thing is. How, how did we end up with Star Wars? The uh, the High Republic Adventures number two this week, Matthew. Well, Stephen, our fans are sadists, and they like to pick comics to torture us. And to do that... And they don't they, do that to torture us. Yes, they do. They pick and, them because they are very keen to find out what our thoughts are on comic books that they find interesting. Exactly. And they get to pick the books that they want by going to our Patreon. Everybody's Patreon. It's the Major Spoilers. Patreon.com forward slash Major Spoilers, where you can look for... 
right now, say you were going to go there, you could be like looking for dueling review for, I'm going to say the 10th. March 10th, 2021 is the one that you need to do. Yeah, just uh, take the the day that comics are released, like the third, and then just add Mm -hmm. seven to it. And so what would the week after that be, Matthew? Uh, Well, it depends, because remember, DC Comics come out two days before, and I get confused. they only come out one day before. No, they come out on Tuesday, which is two days. That's why they call it Tuesday. (sighs) See what I have to deal with, ladies and gentlemen. See what I have to deal with. See what I have to deal with? Here's what we have to do, people. You have to go over to that Patreon page, and you need to look at the lists. And based on those lists, tell us what you want us to review. Maybe from Boom Studios, it will be Mighty Morphin number five, or Proctor Valley Road number one, or Spectre Inspectors number two. Over at Dark Horse Comics, we have Final Fantasy, what is this? 15, the official works hardcover book, The Legend of Korra art, Animated, air, hardcover, second edition. I don't know what any of those words mean. There's also Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology, uh, issue number six, and True True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, National Anthem number six, the final issue in that series. Dynamite Entertainment next week has Deja Thora's number 10, Dynamite number five, Red Sonja Price of Blood number three, Red Sonja The Superpowers number two, Vampirilla number 18, and Vengeance of Vampirilla number 14. IDW publishing Small Week next week. Only one single issue that they have coming out. TMT uh, Jenica 2, number 5, the penultimate issue there. The other two books, The Complete Chester Gould's uh, Dick Tracy, volume 29, and G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, volume 24, Snake Hunt, are collected volumes. Image Comics next week has Commanders in Crisis, number 6. That's the halfway point right there, Matthew. I know you're excited about that. I am. I love that. Uh, Carmen, number one, and Sea of Stars, number nine. Oh, a Rat Queens, number 25 for Rat Queens fans. There you go. Marvel Comics has Amazing Spider-Man number 61, Children of the Atom number one, uh, The Non-Stop Spider-Man number one. I don't even know what that's about. I didn't even know there was a new Spider-Man coming out. Anyway. That's the Spider-Man who's uh, attached to the Speed Force. Oh, okay. Uh, We were talking about Star Wars. Plenty of Star Wars next week. Star Wars number 12. Star Wars Dr. Aphra's Omnibus Collection comes out next week. Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, The New Republic trade paperback comes out next week. Strange Academy number nine comes out next week, as does Wolverine Black, White, and Blood number four, the final issue on that miniseries. And then um, the one that picks up after that is Deadpool Black, White, and Blood comes up after that. Because it's his 30th anniversary, Matthew. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, of of Rob Liefeld's uh, one and only creation that only he developed and made and made uh, Deadpool what it is today. Just so can everyone you, knows. Can you hear my finger from over there? No, I'm just saying what uh, Rob Liefeld is going off on Twitter about. Well, yeah. Blade Runner 2029, number three. Blade Runner Origins, number one. Come out from Titan Comics next week. Let's see. We also have a Grim Fairy Tales from Zenoscope Entertainment, uh, number 46. Hotline, Miami Wildlife, Trade Paperback, Volume 1. No idea what that's about. I'm curious. It's Trade Paperback. We can't review it. But Hotline, Miami Wildlife, Trade Paperback. Either this is a (laughs) kid's book where kids are manning the hotlines and like, the manatee has been uh, scratched. Somebody scratched a name on the manatee's back. And all the kids are running out with... It's either that or it is like... Sexy ladies and drug dealers, and we're oh, here to take them down. Yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. 
$240 worth of pudding. Nottingham number one arrives next week. Rorschach number one is a CGC graded comic of $89.99 if anyone wants to uh, to pick that one up. Speaking of DC Comics, here's what's coming out next week from DC Comics. American Vampire 1976 number six. Uh, we have Batman Urban Legends number one. Ooh, I wonder if that will be like Legends of the Dark Knight. Ooh, you know, Matthew, they never should have canceled Legends of the Dark Knight. La, 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 I can't hear you. Rorschach number six comes out next week, as does Truth and Justice number 10. Those are just some of the comics. Again, head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Looking for 30 votes this week. 30 votes. Can you make it happen? Can you save Dueling Review? Or will this show go away? It's up to you, really. It really is up to you. Head over to patreon.com slash spoilers, cast your vote, and we will be back next week to read a comic, and maybe you will get to hear Matthew say, Yesterday, today was tomorrow, so whatever you do, don't inhale. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.